Maybe you've thanked God for your family, maybe your health, maybe your job, but have you ever thanked God for sex? Face it, without sex, you wouldn't be here. Today, Nick talks about sex in a positive way and shares how we have believed three different myths about sex in our lives. Let's listen in. Today, we're going to do something that you may have never done in your entire life. We're going to thank God for sex. But before we do, I want to share a little bit about myself. So if it's not already going to get awkward, so you're going to hear a little bit about me. Uh, Three things to know about me. One is that um, Han and I, we got married when we were just teenagers. The second is that I don't, uh, I do believe that sex is for marriage. And the third is that one and two have something to do with one another, if you can uh, follow along. You know, I'll tell you the worst thing about getting married young at 18 and 19, the worst thing is that you're assuming everybody's thinking the same thing. Uh, And I'll never forget, freshman year of college, we're both engaged sitting in our Christian ministry class, and somebody rose their hand and said, isn't it a shame that Christians will get married young just so they can have sex? I mean, I was shocked. I rose my hand. I said, isn't it a shame that Christians don't know how to mind their own business and shut up? Nah, I didn't say that. Man, maybe if I was a little braver, I would have said that. But no, I didn't say that. I just, I I buried my head in shame. You know, um, I think a lot of people were thinking the same thing when we were getting married. I think of um, the, the post we had on Facebook, our engagement post, um, only got a very, very few number of comments and, and, and likes and interaction. I mean, it was pathetic. I'm not even going to say the number. Uh, one of the comments was, what a shame. How sad. I mean, it, it was really, really awkward. And so part of me wants to go find that guy or go find uh, that girl who commented. And, and I want to have a conversation with them. Just, just a nice little conversation where, you know, I shove it in their face that it's been 10 years. And look at us. We're still married. Wouldn't you know? I'll tell them it's been 10 years. And Han and I, we're happier than we've ever been. I'll even tell them, I'll throw this one in there just for good sake. It's it's been 10 years and the sex has only been more spectacular. (laughs) I mean, I just want to tell people that we did it. It worked. 10 years later and these young punk kids made it work getting married. You know, as I look at it, when we were engaged, we... uh, felt so guilty, like we're doing something wrong. And uh, as I think about it, I think the reason for that has to do with the fact that when I thought about sex, I didn't just think about sex. There was another idea orbiting that thought. And the idea was, don't. And so thinking, yeah, that sex was one motivator for getting married um, felt wrong because sex was kind of just wrong. I grew up in church where uh, anytime sex got brought up, it wasn't thank God for sex. It was don't, wait, uh, you better not, 
or you know, even if you're thinking about it, you're doing it wrong. If you're asking how far is too far, you're doing it wrong. All of this negativity around sex. And I, I had this orbiting thought around sex that was don't or it's wrong. And so I felt bad even though we were doing the right thing. And so think about it for you. What is that orbiting idea that when you hear sex, you automatically hear this other secondary idea with it. Maybe for you, it's not wrong, but maybe that word is insecurities. When you hear sex, you hear insecurities because it makes you feel maybe unwanted. It makes you feel unattractive. Maybe when you hear sex, you hear uh, missing out is that orbiting thought. You're single, you're waiting to have sex, and there's a part of you that just feels like you're half the person as your friends are who are married already. Maybe for you that, that idea that orbits sex is infidelity. You can't think about sex without thinking about that person who broke your trust, the person that you trust the most, the person that you love the most, hurt you the most. Maybe for you, you don't just hear sex, but you hear shame. You think of the pastor who uh, told the story of these chicken nuggets being spit out and you said and said that if you have multiple sexual partners, you're kind of like those chicken nuggets that have been spit out and thrown in the box. Or, or a rose has been passed around too many times. It used to be beautiful. Now it's torn apart. It's kind of worthless now. And you just hear shame when you hear sex. Or that because you're gay, you're an abomination to the Lord. And it's just shame that piles on. When you hear sex, automatically these, it triggers a shame in you. Maybe for you, the, the, the idea around sex that's orbiting for you, when you hear sex, you hear trauma. You think about, about that person who did that, that, that heinous thing to you. And maybe you've not even told a single person about it. But, but if you were to be honest, it, it affects you every single day. And when we start to think about it, we start to realize that there's a lot of negativity associated with sex. When you start to think about it, you start to see that sex has a lot of abuses and a lot of misuses. And what I think is that it does, and, and I think that sex is a good thing that we have misunderstood. And uh, what I want to talk to you about is three different myths that we have come to believe, whether we said it out loud or not, about sex. And when we start to look into these myths, we start to realize how these myths have had laid a very poor foundation for our understanding of sex. And because of that, it has created all kinds of abuses, all kinds of misuses. So the first myth I want to talk about is this. The myth is that God is anti-sex. Well, maybe you've thought that. Maybe for you, you haven't wanted to go to church or you don't want to be a Christian because of what Christians believe about sex. And you're like, well, I don't really want to be a prude, so nah, I don't think that's for me. But uh, God's not anti-sex. In fact, he's very much pro-sex. It's God who created sex. In Genesis 1, you see uh, God creates sex. He says, be fruitful and multiply. You know, um, it's the very first command God gives humanity is to have sex. 
I like what Mike Todd says. He he paraphrases uh, Genesis 1.28. He says, y'all are blessed. Go have sex. Do that thing. Put it down, Adam. Still don't know quite how Mike Todd said it. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite saying it exactly how Mike Todd says it. But you get the idea. God is pro-sex. In fact, uh, according to Mark Clark, he puts it like this. He says, no one is more pro-sex in the universe than God. And so, and so when you think of sex, I want to give you a whole new uh, idea, a whole new orbiting thought. And I want you to think of making love as a gift from God. I want you to think of a gift that God has given humanity. And this isn't just any gift, it's a multifaceted gift, one with multiple purposes. You know, if you, you, you can see, first of all, one purpose is procreation. Be fruitful and multiply implies that you're going to reproduce. And so it's a gift. It's a, it's a joy to be able to create new life. And if you're like me and you're not a parent yet, um, it's still a gift because if it wasn't for sex, you wouldn't be here. Don't need to go on anymore with that. Um, a second purpose of uh, sex is, is pleasure. You know, if you think that God is anti-pleasure, you really got to read the book of the Song of Solomons because this is an entire book in the Bible all about romance and love and longing and desire and physical attraction. And then there's insecurities, but then there's the reassuring. I mean, it's all over there. There are innuendos scattered throughout the book of the Song of Solomon, and, and it's all saying that sex is a good thing. And, and nowhere do you see in that entire book on love and marriage anything about procreation. So we can see that sex has a purpose besides just making babies. There's this idea of God wants us happy. He, he's created sex to be pleasurable. In fact, one verse you probably never studied in Sunday school is Proverbs 5.19. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. And so sex feels good, and God made it to feel good. And so, and so sex has multiple purposes. There's, there's procreation, there's pleasure, but then there's one that we may often miss, and this one might actually be the most important purpose, and that is partnership. Procreation, pleasure, and partnership. Sex was designed to be linked together with marriage. In Genesis 2, uh, we actually see uh, this comment that says, And because of that, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We see marriage and sex linked together. And sex is a way of enhancing and strengthening the marriage relationship. It makes your partnership stronger. Uh, James Brownson puts it like this. He says, indeed, sexual desire, the coincidence of the longing to experience joy and to be joy to another. I love that description. Is, is what drives us to this union and sustains and strengthens this union. Our bodies know sometimes more deeply than our minds can acknowledge. What Genesis 2.18 declares, it is not good for us to be alone. And so our first myth we're tackling is that God is anti-sex. No, he was the most pro-sex person. He is more pro-sex than anyone else in the universe. Our second myth that we're going to talk about is that 
deals with where we find the best sex. And maybe you've never heard a pastor talk about where, where you can get the best sex from. Um, but I, I think it's important that we talk about because the myth is this, that unrestrained sex is the best sex. And we hear this myth being told over and over and over again through the shows and the movies we watch. I mean, it's got this idea that, that you know, here's a guy and a girl that they meet in, in a bar and the girl's real, real cute and pretty and the guy's really handsome and tall and, and funny and they hit it off and they start talking a lot and um, maybe there's a little bit of flirting and then all of a sudden, the, the conversation pauses and they look into each other's eyes, but it's not this awkward pause, it's, it's a good pause. And, and they lean in and, and the guy kisses the girl with just a little peck and, and then pulls back a little. And then the girl shows her approval, right? She pulls him in, grabs him, and then a little bit of wet. You know, it goes on and on. And, and then all of a sudden, the magic of the moment, they teleport magically into this, this uh, hotel hallway. And then there's some more. A lot of tongue action. The birds are tweeting. The, the bees are buzzing. The fireworks are banging. And then magically, they teleport. And they're both in bed together under the sheets. And they both look like they had just run a marathon, but they're so, so happy, like the runner's high, and, and it's total bliss is the story we're told over and over again. Like, this is incredible. And then you compare that to a married couple flipping through the calendar saying, honey, does uh, Wednesday night work for you? And it makes that sound so stale and boring and, and bland. This idea of sex in a marriage seems like the lesser uh, of two, but the best sex sounds to be, appears to be this unrestrained, this passionate. You did, it, it, it's like it's like the less you think about it, the best it is. The better the sexual experience is. And maybe there's something to that. Maybe there could be in the mystery and the secret, and and maybe in the fact that it's bad can can elicit some 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 good pleasure or whatever, but, but, but let's think about this for a moment. The best sex is unrestrained. The best sex is when we think the, la the least. How many times have you gotten the best anything by thinking less? I mean, man, by thinking less, you get the most regret. And so many times in these situations, maybe the shows and the movies we see make it out to be innocent and harmless, but we know the truth is that is this unrestrained sex causes the most regret. But you may not actually realize that when it comes to the best sex, it really is within marriage. Studies and experts have shown that the best sex is in marriage. Dr. Walt Laramore is one doctor who says sex is better in marriage and he gets specific. He says frequency, so the quantity, is more often in marriage. Married people are the ones having sex multiple times a week. Unmarried people aren't having sex as much. Um, but it's not just quantity, but it's also quality. The, the odds for a woman to uh, have a complete orgasm are a lot more likely within marriage.
So quality and quantity are better in marriage. The best sex is within the container of marriage. And so sex was made to have a container. It's kind of like water. Uh, Mike Todd gives this analogy. He says, you know, water is really powerful and it can do a lot. It can do a lot of damage, right? It, it can create floods. It may create mold. All kinds of damage can happen when water is uncontained. But when it is contained, I mean, it can be so powerful. It can move turbines. It can power a whole city. The same is true for sex. Sex was made to be contained. That, that without that container, it can be dangerous. It can be destructive. But with the container, it can be a powerful source for good. Uh, we already talked about how Genesis 2.28, God designed sex and marriage to be linked together, to be a one flesh union and anything else is sort of a distortion of what uh, God created us for. Uh, marriage is so special that God actually compares marriage to his relationship with his people. And in the New Testament, we actually see marriage being compared to Jesus' relationship with Christ. It's, it goes to show that in a marriage, we're supposed to reflect the love and the faithfulness of God that God has for us. Marriage is so, so special. Okay. So now let's get practical. This myth, the best sex is unrestrained sex. What I want to tell you is that it is a myth. And so if you're having sex and you're making love and, and you're sexually active, but you're not married, uh, you may have some good reasons for remaining unmarried. Uh, maybe now is not a good time. Sure, all of that. But, but I want to give you one reason why you may want to get married. And that reason is that the sex gets better. Statistically, at least, the sex is better in marriage. <laughs> you may have never considered that. You may have never heard that from, from church or from a pastor, but I'm telling you, statistically, there's some good reasons to think that your sex life will actually improve by having a marriage commitment. Um, but now let's talk to, if you are married, you are definitely not off the hook here. If you are married, that means your, your lovemaking is designed to strengthen your relationship. That sex really is an expression of love. And so, how's it going? How is your sex life? Because if it's not getting better, if it's not improving, if, if you're not enjoying it, if it's not causing you guys, you and your spouse to, to be better in love, then you got some work to do. And so I'm going to give some suggestions. Maybe some of this will help. Um, maybe some of this is pretty obvious. I don't know. But I, I, I know that this is important way to um, demonstrate love. And so here, here are some suggestions. If you're married, uh, to enhance your sex life. So um, it's actually 16 words. And so ask is one word. So ask questions. Do you like that? Do you like that? <laughs> Share is tell, tell your spouse, tell your partner, uh, no, I don't like that. Yes, I, I do like that. Listen, oh, I heard you, you don't like that. I won't do that. You do like that. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, play, be playful, have fun touch, massage, um, explore, uh, whisper, shout, affirm, connect, eyeball to eyeball, dress, dress to impress, flirt, flirt throughout the day, experiment, 
try out a different location, a different position, a different this, a different that. And read. Read. Uh, maybe for you, uh, something to improve your sex life is to learn more about it. Read, read a book on it. Read some articles on it. Um, sometimes just even uh, talking about that uh, with your spouse could, could be helpful. And so we have this gift. You know, the first one is that sex is a, is a gift from God. God is not anti-sex. But the second myth is that the best sex is unrestrained. No, it's not actually. It can be very much so within marriage can be the best sex if you work at it. And uh, not just so that you guys can, be, can experience uh, great pleasure, but it has an even richer purpose is to enhance your relationship. To, to make your marriage stronger. Now let's talk about the third myth. The third myth is this. that This is one that um, you probably never said out loud, but odds are good in some way it is affecting you. And that myth is that sex is God. And of course you probably would never say that sex is God. But if you are looking at porn, if you're sleeping around, if you're um, having an affair, if maybe if you see your sexual identity as your one and only identity, those could be signs that you're on the path of seeing sex as God. And, you know, it's very subtle how it works. Is so many times we take these little innocent uh, steps toward that path. We, we, we cross lines, we, we do things that we don't think God would approve of, but it just seems so innocent. I mean, it's just porn, it's not hurting anybody, or it's just something casual, everybody does it, it's, it's innocent. And we take these steps over and over again, and so many times th those steps bring us to a place that we never thought we would end up. And we end up doing things like, like keeping secrets, or, or, or doing whatever we can to hide what we did. I think of King David, who, whose sex really became God to him. He slept with Bathsheba, committed adultery with her, and then to cover it up, because she got pregnant, uh, had her husband killed. He committed murder. You know, it was one small, innocent thing that nobody needed to know about. And then it blew up into something so big that someone lost their life. And so many times in our world today, we see people who have taken small steps, doing crossing lines here and there that seems so innocent, and yet it ended up getting them to a place they never thought they would go. Tragically, we, we, we know, according to the CDC, that at least one in every four girls and one in every 13 boys will be sexually assaulted. Why is that? Well, that is because someone somewhere took a few small steps and sex was no longer a gift. Sex became God and they didn't do it because they liked it anymore. They did it because they had to so much. They were in such bondage to sex that, that they did something to hurt somebody and cause a lifetime of pain. I'll... I'll never forget, um, a few months ago, I heard news that a friend of mine, um, that he was arrested for child porn. And right away, I, I was torn. I, 
I, I didn't want to believe it. And when I found out it it was true, I I uh, was really disgusted at what what he had done and 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 how he had hurt people. And at the same time, I he was a friend, and and I I really uh, thought well of him. I you know he's he's humble and and giving and serving, and and open and and I thought, how can it be that he's gonna spend the rest of his life in, in prison. And, um, and I even talked with his mom and I, I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know what kind of words could bring any comfort. All I could say was, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And that whole moment, that whole experience impacted me because I realized that um, talking about these things, talking about some of these more private things um, cannot be avoided because there are so many people, there's so many of us that are taking steps down the wrong path and, and, and we need to know what God really thinks. There's too many misconceptions. There's too many myths that are hurting a lot of people. I think of my friend and I think he didn't wake up one day and think, I'm going to destroy my life and I'm going to do it by hurting innocent children. No, no. It was one small step after another, after another, until he found himself in bondage because sex does not make for a very great God. Sex makes for a lousy God. When sex becomes God, sex holds us in bondage, but God makes for a pretty decent God. Sex is a gift, but God is the giver of the gift. Sex can bring pleasure, but God gives eternal life. Sex can be powerful, but not as powerful as God. Sex can cause a real mess, but God is pretty good with a broom and a dustpan. God can clean up any mess that sex causes. In fact, that's why in Isaiah 53, we see this description of Jesus, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Something you may not have realized that theologians will talk about is that transgressions are the wrong, the sin, the evil we do on the outside, the way we hurt other people. Iniquities is the evil desires that we have on the inside, the way we hurt ourselves. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he wasn't just dead. On, he didn't just feel the pain. He wasn't just crushed on the outside only, but he was bruised on the inside. This is a physical picture making a theological statement that we all need to know is that no matter where you may find your mess, no matter where you may find your disappointments, no matter where you may feel pain, no matter where you may feel crushed, no matter where your evil may reside, no matter what may be going on, no matter where you find your sin, Jesus is there to restore you. Jesus is there to heal you. Jesus is there to mend every wound, to bring healing no matter where it may be, no matter when it may be, Jesus covered it all. And so, so sex makes a lousy God, but God makes a pretty good God. God will restore you no matter what you've been through. 
He's the God who talks about King David and says, there's someone, here's a man after my own heart. If God can restore an adulterer and a murderer like David, he can restore you. Let's pray. Father God, we, 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 we ask you to bring healing. God, we ask you to mend where we're broken. God, we pray that you would help us understand the way you've created sex and to, to live and to engage in ways that honor you. God, we just thank you that even though you know everything about us, you know our longings, you know our desires, you know our past, you know our hurts, you accept us fully with unconditional love. And you are willing to uh, forgive us and to heal us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Anchor Church's podcast. Every month we upload new episodes to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with God. If you'd like to get involved further or give into the mission of Anchor, please check out anchorchurchil.com. We'll see you next time.